0: November 4th, our reading in the New Testament today comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 1 through 20. We'll read about the impossible. The ABCs of the Christian life are important, but they must be a launching pad and not a parking lot, for the challenge is, let us go on to maturity. If we get sluggish and dull toward the Word, we may fall by the wayside and stop being fruitful. As long as disobedient believers are bringing shame to Christ, it is impossible to bring them to repentance, and God must deal with them. And we'll read about uh, the improbable. The writer did not believe that his readers were in that condition. Although they did have a long way to go in their Christian experience, the fruit was there. Diligence, faith, and patience are required to live the Christian life, no doubt about it. Maturity, though, is not automatic. And we'll read about the immutable. That's a big word, the immutable. Uh, The chapter ends with one of the greatest statements on security found anywhere in Scripture. God's promise and God's oath assure us that we are His. And God's character backs up His words. Instead of drifting, we're anchored heavenward, where Jesus ministers in the very presence of God, And that anchor will not fail. You can bet your life on it. We are anchored so we can make progress. And now let's begin our narration today of the New Testament. November 4th, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 20. So let us stop going over the basics of Christianity again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start all over again with the importance of turning away from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. For it is impossible to restore to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people to repentance again because they are nailing the Son of God to the cross again by rejecting Him, holding Him up to public shame. When the ground soaks up the rain that falls on it and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has the blessing of God. But if a field bears thistles and thorns, it is useless. The farmer will condemn that field and burn it. Dear friends, even though we are talking like this, we really don't believe that it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation, for God is not unfair. He will not forget how hard you have worked for Him and how you have shown your love to Him by caring for other Christians, as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep right on loving others as long as life lasts, in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and patience. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you richly, and I will multiply your descendants into countless millions. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. When people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound Himself with an oath, so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that He would never change His mind. So God has given us both His promise and His oath. These two things are unchangeable, because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to Him for refuge can take new courage, for we can hold on to His promise with confidence. This confidence is like a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain of heaven into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the line of Melchizedek.
1: We begin to understand what Jesus means when he concludes this story by saying, well, Jesus greets the one leper with these words, your faith, my friend, has made you well. Or another translation is, your faith has saved you. The Christian life is obedience, surely, but it's also Thankful, joyful, enthusiastic, grateful, heartfelt praise. Together, obedience and worship, worship and obedience make up the Christian life. But watch out. It may look godly to be in church at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning, but if worship doesn't follow us out into the world and affect how we live, it won't do. Neither will obedience without joy or gratitude or enthusiasm or thanksgiving. It dries up our lives and destroys our relationships with the living God. Christian life is based in gratitude for God coming to us. And Christian life is based in obedience to God's will in Christ. Thus the whole of Christian life is in this alternating current of action and praise. Well, here we are, worshiping God on the Sunday before Thanksgiving. We've been giving God thanks and praise all morning. We've been giving thanks to God for all the blessings that we've received. God in Christ has changed our lives. Oh yes, we know we're commanded. We're charged to go into the highways and byways of the world and bring Christ healing to others. And soon we will be going into that world again to ju- do just that. We'll tell our stories of what God has done in our lives. We'll present ourselves before others as a witness to God's mighty healing touch. But now, now, dear friends, it is time to hoop it up. It is time to give God the glory. It is time to shout out with praise. Here we are, the Christian church. We are the one leper turning back, turning back in praise. May it be so in our lives this day and forevermore. Amen.
0: Our reading today is from Psalm 105, verses 16 through 36. Now the previous psalm extols the Creator, while this one exalts the Redeemer and His providential care for His people, Israel. It talks about His deeds. When you read the history of Israel, you are encouraged by God's mighty and marvelous deeds wrought for His needy people. You want to praise Him, rejoice in Him, seek Him, and tell others about Him. And we'll read about His covenant. God bound Himself by an oath to only one nation, Israel. He gave His promise to Abraham and then reaffirmed it to His descendants. The covenant was their assurance that they would inherit the land. God's new covenant people have the assurance that their future inheritance is secure. And we'll read about his servants. God sent Joseph to Egypt to preserve Jacob's family so that they could become a nation. He sent Moses to Egypt to deliver his people. He sent Aaron to assist Moses and serve as high priest for a sinful people. The point is, God always has a man or woman ready to sin when a job must be done. He wants to hear you say, Here am I, Lord, send me. Psalm 105, verses 16 through 36 He, the Lord, called for a famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. Then He sent someone to Egypt ahead of them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave. There in prison they bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. Until the time came to fulfill his word, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Then Pharaoh sent for him and set him free. The ruler of the nation opened his prison door. Joseph was put in charge of all the king's household. He became ruler over all the king's possessions. He could instruct the king's aides as he pleased, and teach the king's advisors. Then Israel arrived in Egypt. Jacob lived as a foreigner in the land of Ham, and the Lord multiplied the people of Israel until they became too mighty for their enemies. Then he turned the Egyptians against the Israelites, and they plotted against the Lord's servants. But the Lord sent Moses, his servant, along with Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed miraculous signs among the Egyptians, and miracles in the land of Ham. The Lord blanketed Egypt in darkness, but they had defied his commands to let his people go. He turned the nation's water into blood, poisoning all the fish. Then frogs overran the land. They were found even in the king's private rooms. When he spoke... Flies descended on the Egyptians and gnats swarmed across Egypt. Instead of rain, he sent murderous hail and flashes of lightning overwhelmed the land. He ruined their grapevines and fig trees and shattered all the trees. He spoke and hordes of locusts came, locusts beyond number. They ate up everything green in the land, destroying all the crops. Then he killed the oldest child in each Egyptian home, the pride and joy of each family. Proverbs 27 verses 1 and 2 Don't brag about tomorrow, since you don't know what the day will bring. Don't praise yourself, let others do it.